on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Hello, Mohawk Valley. What's happening? It's been too long since we've been to Utica. we got to book that beautiful palatial Utica studio in the landmark building. Go out there, have some greens and some half moons, and do a show in Utica. We'll be back out there soon. I don't know when. But uh, we, we got the itch to go back to Utica. So we'll be back out there soon. We'll pick like a Crunch Comets game or something coming up and go back out there and do a Utica show. In the meantime, you're just going to have to listen to us from wherever you are today, perhaps on ESPN Syracuse, on ESPN Utica Room. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app to take us with you wherever you go. That's a terrific way to stay in touch with the program. You can listen on Alexa. Do you have Alexa? Do you like to tell Alexa what to do? Well, you can do that with the ESPN Syracuse skill. So what you do is you search ESPN Syracuse on your Alexa app. You click enable on the ESPN Syracuse skill. You say, hey, Alexa, give me ESPN Syracuse. Playing ESPN Syracuse. And there you go. So however you're taking in the show today, we'd greatly appreciate that. You can participate. Get your voice heard. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line, if you'd like to fire off a hot take, you got your face in your phone anyway. That's hot. Might as well text us something, right? 288-0644 is the text line. We have two guests that will join us today. One is the head coach, Dino Babers, Syracuse, NC State. Who's playing quarterback? Did Dino tell me? No. But maybe he did. You never know. He didn't. But we can listen to find out he really didn't. So, at 535, when I asked Dino Babers about the quarterback situation, perhaps there's some clarification. There isn't any. On Tommy DeVito or Eric Dungy or both, who's playing, who's not, we'll ask the coach and we'll get answers. We really didn't, but we'll ask anyway. That's coming up later in the show. Thanks, Brent. Welcome, Coach. That is presented by Empower Federal Credit Union and Ferron and Son Funeral Home. Uh, Right off the top of the 5 o'clock hour, love... uh, the opportunities we get to check in with this guy. He covers the Triangle, ACC Sports, as well as anybody out there from the News and Observer. Joe Giglio will join us. Not to be confused with the other Joe Giglio, who we have on occasionally, who's on WFAN in New York, WIP in Philly, and works for NJ.com. No, other Joe Giglio, who 
works for the News and Observer, one of the better sports writers out there covering all things ACC, including the NC State Wolfpack. So we will get more of a perspective on that team. Dave Doran heard earlier today in the booth of Matt Park, by the way, pretty much saying what you would expect. We've got film on Tommy DeVito. We're preparing for both quarterbacks. I don't think it's been very taxing on him, but we'll see what Joe Giglio thinks about all this later in the show. Hot takes as usual. There is Syracuse basketball in the air, kids, which we will discuss. A little bit off the top, though, on what appears to be a Boston Red Sox team heading for another World Series title. After a huge year, flies one into right. This one will drop. Red Sox are on top. Two runs score. It's 4-2. That's a base hit. Here comes Bogarts. The Red Sox jump on top in game two. The Kemp should end it. Bogarts gathers it in. Red Sox up two games to nothing. That, of course, is Joe Buck on Fox Sports. And what you're hearing there are a lot of two-out runs. Half of the runs that the Red Sox have scored in this postseason have been on two outs. Often, you can add that they're two-strike, two-out hits. So the thing with the Red Sox is you better finish them off. You better look down, put your finger on their throat, and not feel a pulse. Through every at-bat, you cannot make mistakes. There were base running things that have happened in this series where, you know, they went to the replay, the Sox were safe, they weren't out. It's a two-out situation. They're scoring runs. Nathan Avaldi, Joe Kelly, Craig Kimbrell last night. I mean, what the big concern was for the Sox was the bullpen. And Chris Sale has only gone four and a half innings. And David Price, as well as he pitched last night, got to his pitch count, had to come out. I think he went a little longer, frankly, than I thought he was going to. It was rough early on because the pitch count was just piling on. But he has had two solid outings in a row. And then you get to that bullpen, and it's just, you know, grab the rosary beads and and let's start praying. But that Red Sox bullpen has been lights out. We mentioned the role that Evaldi has played, so obviously he's not going to start a game. You go with Priscilla in Game 3. I would imagine Drew Pomeranz in Game 4 of this series. Uh, I did not get my, not again, I'm not rooting for this in particular, but it'd be nice if the Sox weren't trying to clinch the World Series Saturday night while we're watching Syracuse NC State at the same time because Brent can't concentrate on two things like that at once. But listen, is there a path for the Dodgers to come back? They say a series never really starts until a road team wins. Well, what if the road team doesn't win? What if the Red Sox enjoy their cross-country trip to beautiful Los Angeles and win this thing in four, or five for that matter. You do not want it to come back for six. I think if you're the Boston Red Sox, you're not coming home without that trophy. And the way that they are doing it, I have just got to stop doubting this team. Not only the moves that Cora is making, it's going to be fascinating to see how they play the Mookie Betts thing, where he plays, how he plays. You cannot take J.D. Martinez out of that lineup offensively. So, you know, you take Jackie Bradley Jr. out wherever Mookie Betts plays. I mean, he can catch for all I care. He's got to be out there along with J.D. Martinez, which look brings to mind something that feels like a waste of time to discuss because it doesn't feel like it's a pressing issue for baseball. But it is fascinating to me 
still how we have two sets of rules in a major championship of you know a sport that certainly used to be America's pastime. It is no longer, but it's still pretty darn popular and is still kind of a big deal. The fact that they have to completely adjust the rules and it's a championship event which puts a certain team at a big disadvantage is still fascinating to me. Some people like that. They like the unique aspect of it, the strategy of it. The Sox have to adjust who's going to play where. But in no other sport does this even remotely happen. Which, again, some people will say is what makes baseball unique, but we shall see. So it's only two games. I think the Dodgers are more than capable of getting one in Los Angeles and making this thing interesting. But I don't think that the Red Sox are coming home without that trophy. The way that they're playing, everything's going right. Kimbrell's not tipping pitches anymore. That bullpen has been much better than I thought. Joe Kelly in particular, who has been great at times this year, but it's just been up and down. Cora's making all the right moves here. And there's just too much offense up and down that lineup to shut him down. They can hit. They can move runners. The Dodgers seem to have to do things a certain way. But, you know, winning 92 games seems pedestrian. But they won 92 games for a reason. In a very good division and... We'll see if they could take advantage of the home field back in L.A. So we take a break from the World Series tonight, which makes Grandpa happy because I'll get some beauty sleep in before we got to stay up late for the World Series and Syracuse NC State on Saturday and everything coming. In the meantime, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got basketball at the Carrier Dome tonight. It is exhibition basketball, but it is basketball nonetheless. And it is an intriguing year of Syracuse basketball. I think it always is in its own way. But the thing that I am interested in, first of all, in the short term, you've got a lot of adjustment that has to be made at the guard position because Frank Howard is not 100% healthy, because Jalen Carey is not 100% healthy. You've got some guys overcoming some injuries from the long term and in the short term. You know, we think Barama's okay, but even he has to go out there and play at game speed and figure some things out. This is a good time to mess around with some lineups and, and really start to build that chemistry. But the expectation is on this team to do what exactly? Like I don't have a true sense of what people expect this team to be. Some years you have it, some years you don't. But what you do have is five returning starters and a very deep bench. And what you have is you pretty much check the list on everything you need. You have three-point shooting. You have size inside. You have experience. You have great guard play. You have, you know, a player like O'Shea Brissett, who I think could, you know, I mean, look, it's he's 16-9 last year and all the minutes that he put in. You know, he's not surprising anybody. But it's what Jim Beheim likes to say has to happen. It's that improvement. It's what you do to take a step forward from a year ago, which was a team where he makes a good point to say, barely got in the tournament. They were the last team in, 68 out of 68. They once again proved that all you got to do is get in and things will roll from there. But it's going to be interesting to see, and exhibition games are those you watch with a bit of grain of salt, but you start to put the pieces to the puzzle together because next week they're going to be doing this for real. Jerry McNamara the other night, right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, on the Jerry McNamara Show, which you can hear from Tully's on Erie Boulevard, Seth Goldberg, Gary, uh, Jerry McNamara, pardon me, hanging out. 
answered a few questions about what to expect from this team, including one thing I'm very curious about, and that is the role that Elijah Hughes will play. Because you have a lot of experience back. You're adding some new pieces in. But Elijah Hughes is a little bit of both because he practiced with this team last year. He comes in at least somewhat familiar with what he saw. We heard a lot of great stories about him at practice. You always have to see how these new players, if you will, fit into the zone defense and fit into the rhythm there. But here's what Jerry thinks we can expect out of Hughes this year. This was on the Jerry McNamara show right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. What was that, Tuesday night you did that show, Seth? I forget. It was sometime this week. Everything. Um, you know, he, he plays he plays the game the right way. He plays unselfishly. He plays it aggressive. He's an attacker, um, but he does it selflessly. Um, you know, he'd be the first guy to get in the paint and dunk on you, but he'd also be the first guy to get in the paint, stop, and drop it off to the big for a dunk. And both situations would make him equally happy. Um, and I love that about him. Now, we mentioned that Jalen Carey's got an ankle situation. Frank Howard's overcoming his injury, too. But I like this point that Jerry made the other night, too, and that Tyus Battle really doesn't have to shoulder the huge load minutes-wise that he did last year. He's still going to play. He's still going to play a lot. He's still your guy. But it's not one of those you-have-no-choice situations, at least to start the year. Elijah Hughes is a big, strong, physical guard forward, um, a guy that can make plays, make shots, score on all three levels. Um, O'Shea is a much-improved shooter, a much-improved ball handler and decision-maker. So I don't I don't think Jalen Carey, buddy, I, we have pieces now. Um, we have depth and we have health, uh, things that we didn't have the luxury of having last year. So... I don't think he needs to shoulder as much of the pressure this year as he did last year. Uh, but that's not to say that he's not going to go out and be the same aggressive player that uh, he was last year. We want him to be that guy. Another one from Jerry here. We mentioned five starters. It's not just five starters. It's five contributors, and you have to see that improvement from last year to this start to happen. You know, obviously it's so unusual to be in that situation where you're going to bring back everybody um, you know, but all these guys contributed. I think that's what, what the exciting thing was is, is toward the, you know, it was obvious that Tyus O'Shea and Frank last year carried such an offensive load for us. But, you know, when we started to become the team that made the Sweet 16 run, it was guys like Marek and guys like Pascal that were really, you know, kind of stepping in and, and you know, kind of giving us that extra boost. So all of your questions will start to be answered somewhat tonight with exhibition play. Another exhibition game on Halloween night, and then uh, in the words of the great Mills Lane, let's get it on. So some hoops in the air today, which is appropriate because it's 37 degrees and it feels like winter out there. We will continue to discuss, we'll get into a little football, of course, Syracuse and NC State and that quarterback controversy that I have manufactured for my own personal gain. <laughs> That's the latest one on Twitter. Hot takes on the way, Joe Giglio, Dino Babers, and so much to come here. And, of course, your phone calls at 437 7644. Uh, as I will explain uh, a little later on, maybe in the next segment even, no one will smile more tonight if Tyus Battle plays point guard than me. We'll get into that later in the show. Ah, tease. Some of you know. You regular listeners know. Let's get our stock market update here. We've got Joe from Lee Baldwin and Company joining us today. Joe, how you doing, man? Good. How's everything? Everything's great. Stock market's been bumming me out this week. It's almost like Lee is hesitant to come on and do this report. Yeah, so, I, think, I think Lee's in hiding. But exactly. Today, he should have probably came on today. We were uh, we we're up 400 points on the oh, Dow today. Oh, we're talking. Uh, there we it. go. Yeah. Bounce back, baby. Great day today. Excellent. Trying to get it all back. 
You know what I saw today? And you're going to give me the diamonds and dogs, but I saw I, 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 I have pondered buying some Twitter stock, and I saw they were doing pretty well today. So maybe I'll have to pull. The wow, you 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 picked my diamond of the day. Boom! Did, we did not plan this, right? We did not plan this. I knew it. See? That was my diamond of the day. Excellent. Is Twitter? In fact, it was Excellent. up four and a quarter today. Closed at thirty one eighty. They had better than expected earnings. Uh, our, my dog of the day is AMD. They were down 350, closing at 1927. Uh, they had a, a weaker forecast for the fourth quarter. That's what I like to hear. Market's up. My stock that I'm thinking about's up. Bounce back. So, you know, Lee usually goes in hiding when things are bad. But today, we got some good stuff. Joe, thank you. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. That's Joe from Lee Baldwin & Company. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com. You can stop in in Casanova and Utica and get all the diamonds, not the dogs. See, bounce back day on the stock market. That makes me happy. Uncle Brent knows what he's talking about once in a while. I saw that today. I said, the Twitter's doing well. Maybe I'll have to buy some of that. Boom! Big bounce back, baby. Let's break on that note. we got some more SU hoops to get into. We'll talk some football, of course, here on the block. ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. That's hot. That surely is. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Curious voice guy. Well, the Orange gave the Tar Heels the Carolina Blues last week. See if they can uh, keep that theme going with the Wolfpack coming in Saturday night. Joe Gillio will join us top of the hour. More on NC State and all the Go ECC things you need to know. Dino Babers, he's the head coach. He'll join us later on in the show. As he does every Thursday. Don't forget the new Babers show tonight. It's actually going to be right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse because we have exhibition basketball. Orange and St. Rose over on Brostat TK99. So the Dino Babers show will actually be heard right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse tonight. And that show originates from uh, the sponsor of our fine segment here where we crank up the thermometer. Let's get it going. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Yes, Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. That's right. It's brought to you by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York and the home of the Dino Baber Show tonight. Dino doing his thing, baby. And it's going to be right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Again, usually over on Brostat TK99, but uh, we got hoops over there tonight. All the sports. The New York Knicks would surely like Kevin Durant to play there. It's not something I'd bet on, but the efforts are underway. A billboard, not by the Knicks, but a billboard has popped up in New York trying to lure Kevin Durant to New York. Uh, This billboard reading, can you make New York sports great again? With Durant's Instagram handle, a cartoon picture of Katie and Porzingis, and the NBA championship trophy and the hashtag KDNY2019. Durant, a two-time Finals MVP, former league MVP, will be a free agent next summer, and the Knicks are expected to have the cap room to sign him. It has been since 1973 that the New York Knicks won a championship. And L.A. got LeBron, and you see all the movement in the NBA. Kyrie goes to Boston. Houston's getting 
Carmelo Anthony, you know, got James Harden recently, got Chris Paul recently. New York is getting left out of the big market sweepstakes here, which is amazing to think about. It is still the city that doesn't sleep. It is still New York City. It is still the media capital of the world. Now, the world's gotten smaller in the sense that you can play in places like Cleveland if you're LeBron James or Golden State. You can build a brand. The Golden State Warriors used to be the laughing stock of the NBA. It is now the gold standard, no pun intended there. If Durant wins another championship with Golden State, he can't control his fate. And if he wins another title, and look, this sounds really stupid, but I think part of the reason, and some players and coaches have actually sort of admitted this, you bring in a Boogie Cousins there, right? And one of the reasons you do that is you kind of shake things up. You get bored being that good. You've got to give something in the mix to challenge yourself. Golden State seems to handle this as well as any team in the NBA and, you know, being the best and, you know, chasing, you know, 74 wins and just the different level they're on is enough. Did you see that shot that Steph made in practice? I know we're talking about practice last night, but getting to a Warriors game is enough. Getting there early to see Steph Curry warm up, like they should sell separate tickets for that. You're welcome for that idea because I manufacture ideas to sell advertising on this show. I'm going to be rich. Billion dollars. So let's say Golden State does what everybody expects Golden State to do, and that's win another title. The Knicks have the cap room. They have New York, which to me is still an appeal. There's still something about being the king of New York, but look at the New York sports scene right now. That's why I love that billboard. Can you make New York sports great again? The Yankees are great. The Mets are a joke. The Rangers are in rebuilding mode. The Islanders are the Islanders. They just don't make a dent. The Knicks have Porzingis. They have kind of popped their head up a couple of times here. But the big headline there is that James Dolan is fighting with WFAN and Maggie Gray and his dopey band that he plays in, right? New York sports are kind of irrelevant right now which you can't have. If you bring Kevin Durant to New York, he will own that town. Now, Aaron Judge kind of has the championship belt right now, and it'll be tough to take that away. But if if you can name me a person in sports that could come to New York and threaten the belt right away, Kevin Durant's on my short list. So I'll be as intrigued as anybody to see if they can pull this off. That's hot. Did you see an NFL referee was fired? Not that we are happy that somebody is losing their position. But I have always said on this program, if we are going to throw coaches and athletes at these podiums and put them out there publicly at risk and they're out there playing the same game on the same field the refs are on, how come the referees are never held accountable? Players can get released for screwing up, for dropping passes. A kicker can get cut for missing three or four field goals in a game. Whatever happens with referees? Well, one got fired. Hugo Cruz joined the NFL as a field judge a few years ago. He worked week six between the Chargers and Browns and missed what was a blatant false start by Russell Okun of the L.A. Chargers on a play where the Chargers scored a touchdown. Cruz did not work week seven. He was fired prior to week eight. Any other details of the league's decision, including other calls that may have missed, are unknown at this point, but if I can get thorough, detailed reports about player stats and coaches and the scrutiny they over, and there are some websites that do this. I think Pro Football Reference has like a referee page and everything, but you really got to know where to look to find that. 
I have always said, how come officials are not held as accountable as the players out there? And I know there has to be a certain esteem officials are given because they're out there enforcing the rules and you can't treat them equally in the sense that they're the authority on the court, but their authority has been challenged by instant replay. They're botching of instant replay, not being able to catch up. You see officials out there that are like, how are you running around with, you know, 18 to 22 year old men who are in the prime of their athletic careers? I mean, hockey league can hold his own out there. Right. But even he retired. So I'm not going to say I'm glad to see someone lose their job, but I am glad to see that this does happen, that these officials are held accountable. This is not, a, you know, a professor getting tenure. This is not, you know, being a Supreme Court judge or here for life. Like, rules have never been more scrutinized in professional sports, and if you're not, you're missing a call like that that affects the outcome of the game, which officials always try to say, they stay out of, then you have to be held accountable for that. That's hot. I mean, I'm not glad somebody lost their job. I'm just, you know, I'm encouraged that the NFL's dropping the hammer on this stuff. The Minnesota Twins, when's the last time we talked about them, have hired the youngest manager in Major League Baseball. Rocco Baldelli comes to Minnesota after spending multiple years with the Rays as a player assistant and base coach. He's 37 and now the youngest manager in Major League Baseball. This is his first manager job. Uh, the first Major League Baseball manager born in the 1980s. That's encouraging news there. Uh, Baldelli replaces Paul Molitor. He was fired after four seasons. He went 305 and 345 in four years there, which reminds me that, oh, yeah, Paul Molitor was a manager. Also last night, I'm watching the Red Sox World Series game against the Dodgers. I had no idea. I swear to God, Tony La Russa work in the Red Sox front office. I should know that. I didn't. And they showed the screen, and his title was like right out of Seinfeld. It was like assistant to the traveling secretary to the executive president. Like, How did they get that whole title in one graphic? I should know these things. I didn't. I totally forgot Paul Molitor was managing until, and I think a lot of people do give that, oh, yeah, that guy? Yeah, Paul Molitor was managing the last four years, which shows you how irrelevant the Minnesota Twins have been. The average age on the roster, by the way, is 29. But look at the trend in baseball. Aaron Boone in New York. Alex Cora with the Red Sox. Now you bring in Baldelli with Minnesota. What is the trend? It's going from kind of those pot belly, grizzled, Buck Walter guys that have been around baseball forever. Let me tell you, Sonny, this game's just about throwing, hitting, and running. To analytics, young, front office, kind of has more of a direct line relating to the players. Rocco Baldelli is somebody like, he just played recently. Like, you, you probably had him on your fantasy team kind of thing. The trend is getting younger. Baseball's marketing message has been, let the kids play. The sport is still, and I don't even want to use the word crisis because I think that's an overstatement, but the gap between home runs and strikeouts, and is this the game people truly want to see? Last night went at a good pace, thankfully, because Grandpa needed some sleep, but your four-hour games are just routine in the postseason. And when you have more strikeouts in the sport, games take longer, and pace of play and all these issues that baseball is kind of freaking out about, Look at the trend manager-wise. They're getting younger. So what does that do for the sport? Hopefully it makes it move faster. But in, that's a theory. It actually can go the other way. That's hot. If you're too into analytics. 
Turner has set the suggested price for that Tiger Woods-Phil Mickelson pay-per-view one-on-one, which I am all in on. I cannot wait. I will buy it. I don't care what it is. There's $9 million on the line. I love the banter that will happen between those two, the trash talk. It's manufactured. I don't care. I am in, and I cannot wait. $19.99. Okay, you got me. 20 bucks. Fine. Let's go. Day after Thanksgiving, it's a pretty busy football weekend. There's a lot of college games. that I don't care. I, I am watching that. I am in, especially if you do the whole, it's not like a, you know, McGregor Mayweather fight where it's like 80 bucks and, it's, you know, everybody, you know, everybody toss in 10 bucks here for a pay-per-view party. But that's something like a lot of people have that day off and you're tired of listening to Uncle Fred talk about Trump who's visiting for the weekend or whatever, you know, this, boy, the election that's coming up is going to create a lot of interesting Thanksgiving talk one way or the other. But it's like, can we just do something else? Hey, that Tiger Woods thing is on. Yes, get that, please. Can we watch that? I cannot wait for this. Pay-per-view providers for this are Turner, DirecTV, AT&T. They're all kind of combining on this. Tiger is minus 180 to beat Mickelson, who's plus 150. The winner takes home $9 million. Uh, Mickelson has expressed interest in a non-monetary wager as well. He was asked about the idea of the loser caddying for the other at next year's Masters Par 3, which I would love to see. He said no to that, but they're going to come up with something like, you know, survivor pick payoff like I do, which I haven't had to do because I've won five in a row, much, you know, to your chagrin, but hey. Them picks are hot, baby. That's hot. Find out whose survivor pick payoff is tomorrow on our Friday football show. For now, we will take a break. Joe Giglio's coming up from the News and Observer. We'll talk some more hoops, some more SUNC State, and, of course, the head coach set to join us in about a half hour as well. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. We're back after this. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Bye-bye.